All right, hello everybody. I didn't think that this week was going to be another one of my own just ramble episodes, but uh, things uh, just worked out that way. Um, in terms of just what I will do today, uh, once again, I will be off script. Uh, there won't really, I have a few, you know, reference notes here, um, but for the most part, it is off the top of my head, and we're just going to talk a little bit for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. So, um, if you read the title of the episode, this is in regards to the death of the Yu-Gi-Oh! creator. Um, so for those who don't know, on, I believe it was Thursday, or maybe, I think it's like Friday in J- Japan time, but Thursday in Western world, um, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! named Kazuki Takahashi, he did pass away at the age of 60. Um, the details in regards to how he died is, is kind of iffy, but for the most part, it's agreed upon that he was snorkeling and yada yada, something happened in between. And then when he when his body was discovered, it was um, there was injuries that seemed like uh, that could have been, you know, shark attacks and stuff like that. That said, we don't know if he died because of a shark attack or if, you know, after he passed away in the water, a shark may have came in for a bite. Um... So yeah, uh, sad stuff. He did pass at the age of sixty, which is uh, kind of young, you know. For some, sixty is like is uh, is not even retirement age. And for the most part, I do know he has still been relatively active, all things considered, uh, for somebody of his age in terms of just producing things. Um, although he has done a few other works, his main, you know, his um, his masterpiece is definitely Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and I, I think I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! in general and how um, how things have, have gone on. So while for the most part, his biggest contribution, you know, it's a weird thing to say, apart from just creating the title and creating, you know, the universe of Yu-Gi-Oh! is in fact the Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, the Yu-Gi-Moto books. I know that... He does have some kind of supervisor role in terms of all the other, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel, you know, everything after the original Yu-Gi-Moto parts. Um, but for the most for for most part, I just wanted to take more of the time to talk about just the the original Yu-Gi-Oh! series and how that you know played a relatively big role in my life. So a little bit about my relationship with Yu-Gi-Oh. So uh, growing up on Saturday mornings, I definitely remember getting up and watching the usual Yu-Gi-Oh episode. Um, the if I had to pinpoint a single episode that comes to mind whenever I think back to that time, it's definitely that episode where um, the Pharaoh actually loses um, during the Orichalcos arc. Uh, if you've if you read it, then you know which one it is. That's I remember watching that, and it was like one of those memories that just kept in my brain for forever. And um, at least for me, when I think of Saturday morning Yu-Gi-Oh, I think of that because that was such a powerful um, episode. At, you know, especially at, at that age, that it, it just it just played a big role. So um, in terms of just how I consumed it, so I've watched. In its entirety, the the original Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, the Yu-Gi-Oh Mo, not the Yu-Gi-Oh Moto, the Yu-Gi-Oh Moto books, um, I, not books. I actually didn't. I think I read the books. That's the only one of all the Yu-Gi-Oh series that whose books I've read. I read that, and I've also watched the entirety of it. I've watched all the dubbed episode of both GX and 5Ds, mainly because to me, 
Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't really want to watch it subbed um, for many reasons. But uh, because of because of the fact that I only did watch the dubbed, uh, the last few episodes of GX and also the last few episodes of 5Ds, in, in other words, were never dubbed over and I just never watched those. I did give it a few times. I tried to watch the sub, but eh, you know, it, it's not that big of a deal, all things considered. So I naturally never just just ended up watching it. Um, apart from that, I played the card game. Uh, I played it semi-competitively. Uh, you know, I went to the locals. I did the regionals. Um, so I did enjoy playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, the first time I played Yu-Gi-Oh, the for those who played the game before, the, me- the newest mechanic was Synchro. I played up till the infamous Dragon Ruler era, uh, where... Uh, you know, there was just like these set of cards that were just so powerful. I actually played, I actually finished that. I actually stopped playing the the meta right after that, believe it or not. So I went through the degenerate meta of Spellbooks, uh, Dragon Ruler, um, a little bit of Mermail. Uh, that that was something that I played. That was the last bit of play. I, you know, from time to time, I do jump back in. Uh, most recently, I tried to jump back in. And I built myself, you know, a, a modern deck. I don't think it's the best. I don't think it's the worst. But um, I do play on and off, especially when Master Duel came out. You know, that reunited some love of the game for me. Next, um, in terms of just other things, you know, the card game itself, I don't want to take too much of a tangent because I know Kazu Hero doesn't. Um, Kazu, not Kazu Hero, Kazu. Kazuki, the creator, didn't have really much to do in terms of just the card game itself. In fact, the rules themselves, even by the end of uh, the Yukimoto books, which is, you know, the main part of the story that he wrote, the rules still haven't been set in stone. And it's really just go as, you you know, it's whatever he really wants to, but you know, all things considered. And, but, you know, in high school, I was one of the leading reasons why there was a a resurgence, or not even a resurgence, it was like a, a blo- blossoming trend of everybody just getting Yu-Gi-Oh cards and playing with them, and those were some of the happiest uh, high school days of my life. That said, it's not, like I, it's not like I had that many more high school days, but you know, you get the point. You know, I just remember spending lunches and, and breaks, uh, just sitting down, playing a duel or two, doing these mini tournaments from time to time. And uh, yeah, all around good time. Uh, a few drafts here and there. Uh, definitely, definitely positive, um, positive memories of mine over here. So I do want to reminisce a little bit about the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Moto era of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't want to talk too much about the others because even though he did have some kind of input in terms of how the direction of those series should go, he's you know his name is there just as as a you know brought to you by or based on the stories of that kind of thing. So I want to talk more about the parts where he had a more active role uh, in terms of everything. So let's start with Yu-Gi-Oh R or like the early early Yu-Gi-Oh where he, it didn't really focus on the card game itself. It focused more on just games in general. So this was like the iteration of the Pharaoh and of Yugi that was like super dark. Like you you would have like trapped souls, and I know there's trapped souls later on in the story, but like it was like trap and burn in hell and shit like that. It was like super whack and like super strange. Uh, so I don't have too much to say about that. Those were like you know the, those are like uh, the growing pains. It's like you don't know what exactly what ha- was happening, and for the most part, it's just there to be there. 
But after that, I think um, right after that is Duelist Kingdom, which um, to this day, you know, some of the Duelist Kingdom arcs and some of the Duelist Kingdom characters remain some of the most memorable in all media. For example, ignoring the big uh, Kaibas, the Yugis, and the Joeys of the world. Uh, Pegasus, for example, remains some of uh, one of the most recognizable voices and most recognizable, you know, designs in all anime, all, all manga. So it's a big, uh, big up there. You know, the Millennium items themselves look super cool. The Egyptian theming of everything looks super neat. Uh, the almost dark, at least, you know, nowadays if you look at the modern Yu-Gi-Oh cards, they're almost too anime, if that makes sense. Back then, the cards, you know, were... were dark and sinister at times uh you know you could compare you know summon skull which is like a more classic old card versus a newer card where it's like an anime girl with like the difference between this anime girl and this anime girl is like the hairstyle and the dress they wear obviously you know there's there's more minute differences but you know that's that's like the design has gone so differently that it's, it's really surprising of course there's still modern monster like monster cards but Let's just as a general rule of thumb, it has become more anime-ish. So let's talk about the designs themselves. Um, so, for example, I, I saw a comment on on Reddit regarding this, but you know the art style of of Kazuki's was actually kind of refreshing. So, for example, let's talk about the Dark Magician. Uh, during that time, like if you think of a Dark Magician or a Black Magician or a, just a Magician in general or a Wizard. You definitely think of somebody on the likes of like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. It's this old wizened, white-haired, um, white-haired man. You know, he's like maybe not physically able, but he's definitely. You could tell that he is, he is wise beyond his years, and even his years are like so high up there that you know, you know, he's he just a sage pretty much. But you know, the Dark Magician, you know, hot guy, all things considered, uh, sexy man, um good-looking lad and it's just like it was like a refreshing take on on like a dark magician that's not i'm not even gonna need to dive into dark magician girl which is like still one of the most popular cards ever the blue eyes white dragon still you know it's like the charizard of the series it's this most memorable card it remains the most popular and like the most expensive on pretty much any in comparison to any other card uh these like classical designs remain super memorable um and, and even to this day it brings uh, it brings like some kind of joy whenever I open day. I I don't open packs that often anymore. I don't open anything to be honest. Uh, I don't really touch Yu-Gi-Oh too often anymore. But you know, if I open a, a blue eyes, uh, there's gonna be a smile on my face. Uh, even though there's like blue, there's like so many blue eyes nowadays. There's like blue eyes, black dragon, blue eyes, alternative dragon, blue eyes, ultimate dragon. You know, but you know, uh, apart from that, let's um. Just want to talk quickly about the arcs. So that was Season Zero, or, or I think in, in the manga, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! R. Duelist Kingdom. Uh, pretty neat, in general. Pretty fun. Uh, more of a Pegasus arc, really. I, I You know, some of the villains like Bandit Keith are kind of memorable, but like not too important. Then uh, we get into like the virtual world with Noah. That was neat. You know, it's, it's like SAO before SAO, right? Um... I don't have too much feeling about this. I do. I do remember, at least for me, the most memorable one was uh, when they summoned the five-headed dragon with the big five. I thought that was pretty funny. It was a pretty good uh, hype hype duel there, and summoning that. Uh, I think it's called like Mirage Knight, Mirage Sorcerer, something like that. Mirage Knight. 
Uh, that was fun. Noah himself, his backstory is like kind of iffy. Guzaburo, I think, was the main villain. And the two, you know, it just shows that the Kaiba family is just filled with awful people. Um, so, yeah. Battle City. Battle City, I think, is when the series as a whole came, you know, came to its... It's it finally got on its legs and it understood what it was going for. The rules, even though it, it kind of you know it's kind of iffy at times, at least stabilizes for the most part. In previous arc, it was like it was kind of like go, go as you as you go, no, no, go as you pick things up. But here it feels like there's actually rules here. Um, the duels here were super memorable. Uh, for example, Yugi getting a slifer for the first time. Uh, the top four with uh, Merrick versus Joey, that was memorable. Uh, Bakura versus Yugi, that was memorable. Um, the first time Obelisk is summoned, that's super memorable. Uh, Yugi versus Kaiba, memorable. Merrick versus Yugi, super... It was like, honestly, in terms of just Tournament of Powers, this was legit one of the best Tournament of Powers, all things considered. Um, and, and there's definitely no complaints from me there. Uh, you know, the, the Battle City arc... Was uh, honestly good. Even even like the early parts, mm, getting uh, Joey getting his his Jinzo, you know his trademark Jinzo, and uh, even that's super cool. So next, uh, you know, not all these arcs are that good. I remember Dungeon Dice Monster was kind of a waste of time. Uh, Capsule Monsters, if you remember, that was the one where <laughs> Yugi and Joey fuses with uh, their monsters, and it it. Ah! It was kind of ass, let's be honest. That was uh, definitely filler. Um, Kaiba Grand Championship. This one's a little better than the other two. At least, you know, at least they're duels, I guess. But also, it was kind of like, kind of whatever. But uh, then there's Waking the Dragons, which is, I like I like to think of it as like Seal of Orichalcos arc. And I, I don't know, man. That was, it's hit and miss. But the good, the good duels were super good. Uh, really memorable. Uh, you know, I still remember the Eye of Tamias, the... Claw of Hermos and the Fang of Critias, I think. I think that's the name. Don't don't call me on that. But like you know, the the cards that they fuse into super memorable, except for maybe Joey's, which is a little mem memorable. You know, Critias, kind of not that cool compared to the other two, at least. Um, you know, I I really in that especially you know I, I talked earlier about the memory of uh, Saturday mornings and that definitely is within the waking the dragons arc so there's a soft spot for me there um especially since this was the arc where the feral first lost spoilers for the previous arcs for that i guess um but yeah that's that was like a super memorable arc in general the the premise itself is okay i guess um but the duels are well done so what can you say there? And then finally, it all culminates to the dawn of the duel. So which this is when the final showdown between uh, Yugi and the Pharaoh, where they finally split up, and Yugi has to beat the Pharaoh for uh, to eventually just let him, you know, go on his own way and, and live his own life. And I don't know, like I, I read that, I read that, and I also watched it, and it was one of those th times where it felt super satisfying, like you understood that this had to happen uh everything builds up to this needing to ha oh actually before the dawn of duel there was that go back to egypt arc uh, i don't know it's it's uh it's okay i think some people like it a lot more than i do 
and you know it bakura does does have like that a few bullshit moments that in all honestly probably shouldn't have lasted that long but it did produce some pretty good wallpapers or <laughs> but <laughs> honestly I, I don't know man i didn't i didn't think the going back to egypt arc was that good especially because it, it, it felt inconsequential because you know, nothing really happens from the events of it, apart from them just realizing that Yugi and, and Pharaoh will have to separate at some point in time. Uh, but, you know, that, let's go back to that last duel. That last duel, loved it. Loved every moment of it. I think it was, um, it, it still has, like, that movie magic where everything just works out at the end. But it was super satisfying. It shows that Yugi he might might be better than Pharaoh. I think it's like, a little vague that if he's, like, definitely better. And, uh, and it, like, they introduced cards that, like, never seen before in either of their decks for, like, except for this one specific duel. So that was funny, but, you know, I, I think it was, I, all in all, <sighs> Yu-Gi-Oh, man, um, I don't want to rate it because it's, like, a childhood memory of mine, and I would probably give it too high of a score than it actually probably warrants. Um, but, you know, <sighs> I have so much good things to say about it. The art was good for its time and even to this to this day the theming of of the monster the theming of the characters i said the original ones i'm not talking about like future gx and stuff like that but the theming of it felt so good uh the millennium items and how they in they, they are used um at least aesthetically is really cool pegasus eye is super memorable um yugi's puzzle super memorable bakura's necklace super memorable uh I think uh, Marek's rod, <laughs> Marek's millennium rod, not not his other rod, uh, memorable. And um, so yeah, uh, I really like the uh, the way it looked. The monsters, you know, dra dark magician, the blue eyes, red eyes, dark magician girl, even Karibo, Obelisk, Slifer, Raw. Oh, man, there's so many good designs. I like super memorable, and how can you not like it? And let's not even talk about the theme song, dude. The theme song—it's so stupidly good. It's—it doesn't even make sense how good it is. It's—it's it's, if you take any like music, I'm pretty sure if you brought like a music major or like a music producer, they explain me like hundreds of reasons why this is ass. But it is so good, even though I—I I, I do admit there isn't some nostalgic lenses being put on me right now. There's—it's just so good. It's just so good. So yeah. Um, Getting back to the point of this episode, not really too much. You know, I've been talking about just Yu-Gi-Oh in general, uh, rambling on about it. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Kazuki Takahashi. Uh, thank you for your contribution. Um, you know, Japan took it rough this week. <laughs> uh, God, but um, but yeah, um, Yu-Gi-Oh played a, a not necessarily major, but like a, a relatively significant part of my life. So. Definitely, definitely uh, drinks uh, drinks out to you. So, yep, that's all for today. Didn't have too much to say. Um, didn't have any, really any news, really. Um, just really talking about Yu-Gi-Oh's contribution. Well, Mr. Kazuki's contribution in, in the form of Yu-Gi-Oh. And uh, just a little bit of a reminiscing episode here. A little bit of a ramble episode. Uh, if you do, if you can, please support the channel the youtube channel or and the podcast channel um the podcast channel you know i i know recently we haven't been doing like what we usually do so we're gonna try and get back into the habit of it 
it's, it could be fun. And then over here on the YouTube channel, I've been releasing semi-consistently. Um, I I'm, it's a little hard to average one a week, but I think roughly one every week and a half is, is more or less like the tempo I'm going. The most recent one took a lot of effort. It's about uh, the best girls of each and every anime trope. To be fair, it is kind of clickbaity because it's obviously not possible to get any trope. But um, I covered like 40 plus tropes. So what do you want me to do? Uh, that one took a lot of effort to make. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been getting like pretty good uh, reception. Uh, no dislikes because they did remove the dislike button. So thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the weekend. And uh, one final goodbye to Mr. Takahashi.